0: Fomi was spying on Trump. The reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh, wait. Unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. A lot to get into. The first documents released on the Ashley Babbitt shooting death, new documents about fetal organ trafficking, a Drop shop funded by tax dollars, a new lawsuit over illegal alien criminality, Uh, And it just never stops. Uh, Plus, what was China doing to our diplomats? Uh, You won't believe what we had to sue over. Uh, First up, though, is the uh, January 6th shooting death of U.S. Air Force veteran and San Diego resident Ashley Babbitt, who uh, infamously was shot uh, in the U.S. Capitol, killed by we don't know who yet. Uh, uh, during the uh, January 6th disturbance. Now, you've seen video of the shooting death, I'm sure, but you have no details beyond that, practically speaking, because there's a massive cover-up, a cover-up which is slowly being unraveled thanks to your judicial watch's heavy lifting to uh, get information about that shooting death. We sued the Office of Medical Examiner here in the District of Columbia and the Metropolitan Police Department, uh, which is the local district police agency, uh, that we think and will uh, obviously would have information about the shooting death. We received the first documents after months uh, about the Ashley Babbitt shooting death from the office of medical examiner. The police haven't given us anything yet, and the documents show, among other things, that the, uh, as I say, the uh, police, excuse me, the office of medical examiner had sought the cremation of Miss Babbitt just two days after. The uh, body was obtained by the Office of Medical Examiner. So just think about this. Let's, let's, I'll note out the details here for you. I'll, I'll read it directly. On January 8th, two days after she was killed, at 7.13 p.m., an application to cremate the body of F. Abbott is labeled, quote, completed successfully. Copies of the permit are sent to the OSCME officials. Uh, two officials, as well as uh, one, two, three, four, five other officials uh, within the D.C. agency there. So what's unusual about this is, and I don't know if the, if it was, was the medical examiner requesting the cremation on behalf of the Babbitt family? Uh, was it a separate request? Why was it done so quickly after the shooting death? Had they completed the investigation? When did the cremation take place? I don't have any of the answers there. But we have questions as a result of the release of these documents. And what we do is we put the documents out there so the American people can draw their own conclusions and ask additional questions. And hopefully we get some additional answers there. Uh, But uh, it's it's unusual. It looks to me. But we'll see what uh, else comes out. What's also in these documents, uh, these emails. And by the way, I think we got, how many emails did we get? Or how many pages of documents did we get? Oh, over 1,100, 1,160 pages of documents. So uh, we went through them carefully, and I encourage you to go through them. Uh, They're available on our internet site at judicialwatch.org. What I found also interesting about them is that uh, the shooting... uh, So when you bring someone like, uh, when they're investigating the shooting death, you know, know, they have to have a conclusion about what happened. What was the cause of death and the manner of death. And on January 13th, Dr. Francisco Diaz emailed Chief Medical Examiner Deputy um, and slash Deputy Mayor uh, Roger Mitchell with the note, 2100106, 2100106, COD, gunshot wound to left anterior shoulder, MOD, homicide. And, of course, COD is cause of death, which is obviously the gunshot. And the manner of death is homicide. So this was on January 13th. Then in February, there uh, is a document showing that they at least had the preliminary toxicology report related to Miss Babbitt available. But when did they release the official cause of death and manner of her death? April 7th, 2021. So the question I have is why the delay? And forgive me for being cynical, I think the delay was political. As I've described here before, maybe I was talking on NewsVax or, or on uh, uh, media this week. You know, when there's a death that has political ramifications in the District of Columbia, and it's probably true for other cities as well, the investigation is almost always politicized and distorted. Politics always distorts the normal operations of government. Uh, And in a political death like Babbitt and Alfred Sidnick and the three others who died, of natural causes, it turns out, uh, the politics was to blame it all on President Trump and to impeach him for it. So the details of the deaths, A, that Babbitt was killed by uh, evidently an officer. We don't know who that officer was, or even if he was an officer, was he a supervisor? I don't know what he was. We don't have the, I know there's been names bandied about, about who it is, I mean, that, that, may, that name may be accurate. I'm not going to say it because I don't know it to be accurate. We wanted official confirmation as to who did it. So that information, they didn't want to come out. Also, that didn't come out because it would have hurt the narrative to impeach Trump. And the other political narratives, they had to attack everyone who had questions about uh, the authenticity of Biden's win uh were the the, the nature of the, the the uh what happened to officer signick was did he was he killed as a result of the riot or was there something else well evidently they released this in april as well only after digital watch sued, Sicknick died of natural causes of course they knew that from the get-go you can be sure and the three others died of natural causes so why the hold-up in releasing the information was it political or not? And, you know, the delay to me is explained by politics. And the fact is we had to sue to get this information. The fact we're the only ones even asking for this information should tell you volumes about the political nature of this information and the politics behind the stonewall. wall. Uh, there are other emails in there that suggest the sensitivity of the, of the investigation. Uh, they talk about sending fingerprints out. Uh, one of the emails they sent the fingerprints out on the sensitive information evidently was the wrong one because they got a bounce back full of Chinese characters. I don't know what that means. Was it sent to China or something? I don't know. But that's the sort of information we're able to get as a result of our litigation. And again, this is information no American citizen would have access to but for Judicial Watch. And of course, the other outrage is that there's no information about uh, from the Metropolitan Police Department, certainly not from the Capitol Hill Police, about the circumstances of her death. Well, we saw the shooting, but what what was there an after-action report? Was there an investigation? Supposedly the Justice Department investigated. Where what's other than a, a decision not to press charges against the shooter? Where, where's the where's the report? Can you think of another example in a big city death investigation involving a police officer where the police officer's name identity would be kept confidential for as long as it has in this case, like in this case? Look at the Derek Chauvin case, the George Floyd killing, And it shows you that politics is infecting the public's right to know or impacting and suppressing and interfering with the public's right to know. And if Judicial Watch wasn't doing this lawsuit, we still wouldn't have this basic information about the cremation or the fact that they they knew almost immediately the circumstances of Babbitt's death, and yet they withheld it from the American people. So this is all about politics. And of course, this is just one of several lawsuits that we have. We have a FOIA lawsuit against the District of Columbia for documents about uh, the death of Brian Sicknick. And as I said, that lawsuit already, in my view, led to uh, pressuring the office medical examiner to finally admit that Sicknick, no, was not killed by rioters, which is what the left kept on saying and still says. He died of natural causes. And we filed lawsuits for U.S. Capitol emails and video related to the riot. That's a federal lawsuit. I think their response to that is, um, is due as we speak. And for Speaker Nancy Pelosi's communications with the Pentagon in the days after the January 6th incident. So we want a whole host of information, sort of information that Congress, in theory, would be getting, of course, they, Congress has to investigate itself because Congress is responsible for the security, namely Nancy Pelosi of the Capitol complex. So her decision making is at issue, don't you think? Nancy Pelosi needs to be investigated for January 6th. Of course, that's not going to happen with her select committee, which is a one party committee that uh, one, literally one party. They're acting in a totalitarian fashion, a one party investigation of their political opponents. That's what's going on here, while they're hiding documents from the American people. And all those videos that are being withheld, Justice Department has them, the the Congress has them. Again, the most important day in American history, according to the left, worse than 9-11, and yet they're withholding virtually every important document there is to be had about it. How does, that, how does that work? And it's not just Judicial Watch. There are, there are American citizens in jail right now being denied access to video and other evidence related to their incarceration. Whatever, they're not convicted. They're in jail based on representations to the courts made on the basis, that looks to me, of secret evidence, meaning the people don't have access to the evidence, Sometimes the defendants don't have access to the full the, to the full evidence. So there's a rule of law crisis in Washington, D.C. that goes beyond the you know judicial watch having a fight in court for transparency. There are people who lost their freedom because of this lack of transparency in part. So I don't know about you. But I am not going to be cowed and Judicial Watch is not going to be cowed by the totalitarian left who wants to use January 6th to scare everyone off. And just and to suppress their opposition. So we're going to keep on suing. We're going to keep on asking questions, filing more open records requests and doing what we can under law for accountability. And similarly, we're not going to stop asking questions about the election. We're not going to stop promoting and educating Americans about the importance of election integrity and giving them more information about our election systems and seeking to enforce the rule of law that helps support election security, such as making sure the rolls are clean. We have three federal lawsuits now against California, Excuse me, against Colorado, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina to make sure the rolls are clean. We're not, we're not stopping. We're not stopping. So as I said, all these Babbitt documents, uh, these Ashley Babbitt documents, again, these are the first documents released about the shooting death of Ashley Babbitt, were released thanks to Judicial Watch's lawsuit in court. Uh, They're available on our internet site at judicialwatch.org, judicialwatch.org. So there's other interesting things there that you can look at and read yourself. Uh, But uh, all I say is thank God for Judicial Watch. I say that as a citizen, not as a president. Uh, similarly, we have documents that, uh, and this is a topic that we've uncovered documents previously on, and it just gets worse and worse in terms of the barbarity, which is documents concerning the trafficking and use and misuse of organs from aborted human beings. And in this case, we were representing the Center for Medical Progress who had sought information about a human organ harvesting project in the, at the University of Pittsburgh, funded with your tax dollars. And the documents are shocking. We received 252 pages of new documents that reveal that the Health and Human Services Department, specifically NIH and Fauci's agency, gave nearly $3 million to the University of Pittsburgh's quest to become a tissue hub for human future Human fetal tissue ranging from six to 42 weeks gestation. By the way, 42 weeks is typically two weeks past a normal pregnancy. Again, we we filed them. Uh, we we found the documents thanks to a FOIA lawsuit we filed on behalf of our client, the Center for Medical Progress. After it failed to respond. After, after HHS failed to respond to an April 2020 request for the information. The documents reveal the aims of the project listed in the original 2015 proposal for the University of Pittsburgh, were to develop a pipeline to the acquisition, quality control, and distribution of human genet- g- genito urinary urinary and genital organs and functions. So that's what that means. Samples obtained through the development six to forty-two weeks gestation and generate an ongoing resource to distribute fresh developmental human genitory samples from various stages. Again, six to forty-two weeks to the GUD map, which is the genito-urinary development molecular anatomy project, atlas projects. In the proposal, the university notes that it has been collecting fetal tissue for over 10 years, including liver, heart, gonads, legs, brain, um, and other tissues, including kidneys, uh, ureters, and bladders. They said in 2015, we dispersed over 300 fresh samples from, collected from 77 cases. So those are human beings. The collections can be significantly ramped up as material could have been accrued from as many as 725 cases last year. So University of Pittsburgh is upset that they didn't have your tax dollars uh, to harvest the organs from uh, hundreds of unborn babies uh, who were killed through abortion. The health uh, health sciences tissue bank at Pitt is, quote, embedded within the Department of Pathology Thus providing rapid access to very high quality tissue and biological specimens. But just think about that. Just you know, you know what they're talking about. We should be praying for our country when I read stuff like that. God help us. I mean, it's worth a pause to pray for the human beings whose bodies were torn apart in this process. The women victimized in this abortion, mill like process. And American taxpayers who've been, in many ways, involuntarily conscripted to supporting this moral barbarism. Pitt boasts it has a number of internal connections as well as, quote, strong working relationships with the Medical uh, Center, University of Pittsburgh, and the Department of Pathology, as well as three laboratories in the flagship University of Pittsburgh Medical Center hospitals. This includes a lab, a lab boasting a, quote, butcher boy bandsaw for sectioning bone and a frozen section room that has digital video video feed to and from the operating rooms. This also allows for instantaneous discussions with the surgeons as well as immediate show and tell for them. Again, when they're talking organs from dead human beings uh, obtained through elective abortions. The proposal ironically also boasts about the laboratories at the children's hospital in Pittsburgh. I guess only the hospital is for some children. And we talk about they have organs that um, have a short, warm, ischemic time, I-S-C-H-E-M-I-C. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. To keep it at a minimum to ensure the highest quality biological specimens. And what that essentially means is the amount of time an organ remains at body temperature after the blood supply has been cut off. So essentially fresh organs, and they're boasting of it. All the fetal tissue is collected through a collaborative process, including family planning, obstetrics and pathology. The numbers of consents and collections have been steadily increasing, and we are in an excellent position to expand our services. With your money again. Pitt anticipated being able to harvest and distribute quality tissues and tissue and cells and do not anticipate any major problems related to the acquisition and distribution. The target goal is to have available a minimum of five cases, tissues, and if possible, other biologicals per week of gestational age, again, for six to 42 weeks. So that means these are unborn babies aborted at, after viability. Now I know there's a debate about when an unborn child becomes viable. There's no question it becomes viable within the timeframe discussed here. And to make it worse, there's a racial target for harvesting of the human fetal parts. Of its planned aborted subjects, Pitt desired 50% to be minority fetuses. The proposal suggests that the subjects be diverse because Pittsburgh is diverse. Of course, Pittsburgh is 70% white, so there need more minorities than are actually present in the population in Pittsburgh. So there was this quota to get more minority organs. Documents show NIH has funded at least $2.7 million so far for Pitt's human tissue harvesting and hub. So that's um, again NIH. Part of that is uh, Fauci's agency, which is National Institute National Institute of was it Allergic and Infectious Diseases. So I know there's all this concern about Fauci's agency, agency funding gain of function, morally speaking. That pales in comparison to what agency, uh, Fauci's agency is funding here. Don't you agree? And our friends over at the Center for Medical Progress, I'm gonna see what they said about it. David Delighton, who uh, runs that group over there. This is what he said, the NIH grant application for just one of Pitt's numerous experiments with aborted infants reads like an episode of American Horror Story infants in the womb some old enough to be viable are being aborted alive and killed for organ harvesting in order to bring in millions of dollars in taxpayer funding for pitt and planned parenthood and the planned parenthood abortion business it supports people are outraged by such disregard for the lives of the vulnerable law enforcement and public officials should act immediately to bring the next Kermit Gosnell to justice under the law. And Kermit Gosnell, remember, was the abortionist who was um, convicted, I think he was convicted for uh, committing um, uh, killing babies as part of his abortion business. So, this is pretty terrible stuff, uh, to put it mildly. Uh, and, you know, as I said before, it's th- these types of documents are the most morally disturbing I've ever seen in my time here at Judicial Watch, which is now 23 years plus. There's nothing to compare with it. These documents show taxpayer money is being used to turn the University of Pittsburgh into a one-stop human fetal tissue shop, chop shop as I might call it. They procure the tissue from elective abortions, They subdivide the human remains, they distribute, and then ship the harvested tissue. What an operation. Of course, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Judicial Watch uh, has been releasing prior documents that we received separately in our own litigation from HHS showing that the agency, the FDA, spent tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars to buy human fetal tissue from uh, a California firm called Advanced, Bio, uh, Advanced Bioscience Resources. The tissue was used in creating humanized mice. And they wanted the shipments to be fresh, shipped on wet ice. Fresh and never frozen. we had the literally the credit card receipts for the organs of precious lives that were taken through abortion with your and and what happened was the Trump administration tried to shut this down and i think they did stop funding for it for a period of time and the Biden administration has just opened up the spigot again so this funding will continue i mean one of the judges handling these cases in march 2021 a federal judge ruled uh, that the HHS had to turn over additional documents, and he said there was reason to question whether the transactions violate federal law or the sales, sale of organs. So this is this is uh, something that has gotten a lot of attention online. Of course, the big media is ignoring it. Fauci's agency is implicated in this a good portion of the funny funding came directly from his agency so this is a major issue and uh we have more documents about to come out we're going to release them probably next week that are going to again shock your conscience So this is, this is probably some of the most important work we're doing, at least morally, exposing this and hopefully in the end stopping it as a result, as part of the resulting public outrage. But we'll see. The Biden administration is completely out of control, so it's, it's going to be a tough haul. And all we can do, and I think it's a moral imperative, don't you agree that we continue to uncover the full truth about fetal organ harvesting paid for with your tax dollars? So now we're having uh, in the news, uh, I guess it's no surprise that the vaccine mandates are here. They're coming through, uh, universities are requiring students to take vaccines in order to attend school and get an education, uh, or, and if they don't, they make it difficult and segregate them, make them go through invasive tests uh, weekly. Uh, The uh, socialist mayor of New York is requiring, there's plans to require vaccine mandates for citizens to uh, eat in restaurants and use gyms and do other things. Corporations following Joe Biden's advocacy are requiring employees to take the vaccines. And this, despite all the confusion about the vaccines that Joe Biden's administration is causing through his corrupted CDC. So we're investigating that. But, you know, it sounds to me, you know, when I see these sorts of requirements that, um, for a uh, something that is no longer, in my view, a public health emergency, and the numbers, don't justify it being called a public health emergency, and if that's not the case if if there is no public health emergency, it seems to me a a a weak argument in support of government mandates related to vaccines. but I don't want to get into that, you know who knows? I'll probably say too much and get censored as it is uh, but I do want to focus on and of course, you know the vaccines that are mandates that are issued in such an abusive way. Remind one of totalitarian states, right? Well, it's funny you say that, or I say that, because we have a lawsuit we just filed against the Department of State over the abuse of a totalitarian state of our diplomats abroad, namely China. And the reports were uh, that China was requiring U.S. diplomatic personnel to be subjected to invasive COVID-19 anal swab tests. Yes, anal swab tests. I don't like to say it, but that's what was happening. So our people were being obviously targeted and abused, I don't know how else you would interpret it, by the Chinese Congress. And we asked for all records about U.S. diplomatic personnel in or seeking to enter China, being subjected to anal swab tests for the COVID-19 virus, including all complaints and communications regarding such testing. And of course, we didn't want personal identifying information of personnel, that may have been subjected to such testing. So it isn't like we're trying to embarrass anyone. We want to know how the Biden administration, what they knew about it and how they handled it, because publicly, they didn't handle it well. Chinese officials, according to The Hill, uh, who forced American diplomats to undergo uh, a nail swab for COVID-19 testing, did so in error, the State Department told The Hill, as Beijing denies it conducted the tests at all. So you got the Chinese communists denying it, and then the State Department helping them by saying, oh, it was all they did it, but in error. A State Department spokesman responded to a request for comment from the Hill by saying that the department, quote, never agreed to such glad to hear that, and had protested directly to the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs following complaints from staff. So our diplomats were Abused in a reprehensible way by the Chinese government, and the Biden administration seems to have done a little in response other than cover it up, because we asked for the documents, we couldn't get anything from them, and now we're in federal court over. We're down federal court over. So I don't know what we're going to get ultimately. I suspect we're going to get some documents finally, but the fact we have to sue in federal court as over the Biden administration's really protection of China and its weak response to China is, to me, another outrage of the COVID age. We got a lot going on here at Judicial Watch. Uh, The other crisis, and there are numerous crises, I don't think COVID is the crisis that's being made out to be, but the border is a crisis. Well over 200,000 illegal aliens get across the border every month, practically speaking, under the Biden administration, you just let them in. Those are the numbers, they're called apprehensions, and that translates means into, these are the folks that the border, the border patrol has seen, and administratively handled, but are released into the interior. Our borders wide open? I don't know about you, but if that's not impeachable, I don't know what is. We had leadership in Congress. They'd be talking about impeaching President Biden for failing to uh, execute his oath of office by failing to make sure that the laws are faithfully executed. Meyer Orkus, who is the head of the Department of Homeland Security, impeach him. Kamala Harris, she's endorsed it. Impeach her. I'm dead serious about this. Quarter of a million people a year, a, a month at least. I mean, they're talking two million this year who will get across the border. Get across the border because Biden refuses to enforce our border. Secure it in the most basic way. And, they're, and he's affecting and helping this human trafficking. Let me, be, let me be clear again, the Biden administration is part of the, the most significant human trafficking operation in world history. They are helping the human traffickers get the people across the border, they check to make sure they're there, you know, that they have some information on them, and, and that's being charitable, and then they let them pass. Sometimes flying them to places within the country using the military and other means. Again, if that's not impeachable, what is? And it goes, and the, whole, and the handling of the border goes to show you they don't care about anything they say they care about. They say they're concerned about the COVID and the spread of the Delta variant. know what's going on at the border. Everyone crosses. No one's checked by the government at least. McAllen, Texas is complaining, according to Fox News, it's 7,000 COVID positive illegal immigrants released to their town. Just 1,700, since February, 1,700 in just the last month. They don't care about COVID. If they did, they would stop it. They'd secure the border. They'd stop Literally importing COVID, and besides, they have a positive moral obligation and constitutional obligation to secure the border against illegal crossers, and they're not doing it. They're refusing to do it. So the Biden, excuse me, the Trump administration had, uh, in some way successfully controlled the the most recent wave by creating what is known as the Remain in Mexico program, the Migrant Protection Protocol, said if someone was gonna seek asylum, usually fraudulently, which is what the problem is, they come in, they said they're seeking asylum, and they just let them into the country, knowing that it was likely to be either rejected or they never show up to follow up. So they said, you have to remain in Mexico to pursue your asylum claim. And that obviously severely curtailed a fraudulent claims and the likelihood, uh that uh, they be uh, 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 that illegal aliens would get in by cheating as a result, so what did Biden do? He ended it, and not only that he encouraged people who were in the program who were in still in Mexico just to come on in. They began process processing processing them almost immediately at least twenty five thousand people and so what we want to know is uh what about any crimes associated with these folks who've come in and we wanted to know if the biden administration was keeping track of it so of course we weren't getting any information from the biden administration so we had filed a lawsuit against the department of homeland security for information about uh, uh crimes associated with the aliens let in under biden's new policy again a straightforward request that we can't get the time of day on from the Biden administration. Uh, This is a border crisis without precedent in American history, and so Judicial Watch is prepared to devote not only the resources we have in court now, but additional resources to uncover the truth about it. So when you have uh, completely open borders, it places the American people at risk, not only in terms of health, national security, their tax dollars, dare I say it, but also their personal security. And the Biden administration doesn't want you to know the truth about it, but Judicial Watch does, which is why we have filed this new lawsuit in federal court That sixty-one that, that is following on reports that 61,000 immigrants who illegally crossed the Mexican border have been released in the United States since, since Biden took office under this program alone. And of course, its numbers are now factors of that exponentially. So this is a crisis that Judicial Watch is in court trying to expose the full truth on. We have other lawsuits concerning it. Uh, and the Biden administration should come clean about the crimes committed by aliens as a result of its reckless disregard for the law. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, we've got more coming. So with that, I encourage you to support Judicial Watch's work. You can see we're having a dramatic impact in terms of exposing what the government's up to in fact, we're the only oversight, practically speaking, in Washington, D.C., in many respects. So I encourage you to support our work, and I'll be here soon with the next Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org donate.